We're uh, talking today in our series, specifically return uh, to the Holy Spirit. And of course, that implies that over time, some people have gotten away from the things of the Spirit as a believer. doesn't mean you've rejected Jesus. doesn't mean you're on your way to hell. It just means you're trying to do things in your own power, in your own strength, and in your own way. And as Wilma alluded to earlier, we're not designed to do it by ourselves. In fact, Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem until they were endued with the power from on high. If he thought we could do it by ourselves, he never would have made that mandate. In Zechariah 1.3, the scripture says prophetically, and I believe for this day, Therefore say to them, thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. Turn to somebody and tell them, return to him. He'll return to you. And part of that is returning not just to Jesus, the biblical historical Jesus, not just to the Word, not just to the church, but returning to the Holy Spirit, to His direction and influence in your life. Unfortunately, especially the past 10, 15, 20 years in America, with emphasis on new paradigm ministries and, and canned and packaged approaches to the things of God and services, the Holy Spirit is being de-emphasized in the local church. The problem with that is if you don't have the Holy Spirit right up front and center in your life and in your church service, there can't be any transformation. If He's not here today, there will be no life changes. There will be music, lights, services, sacraments, all kinds of things that pertain to the life of the church. But there won't be life change unless the Holy Spirit is present and active. And how do you understand, sometimes he would, he would clearly go in, but sometimes he's not welcome to go in. So our hearts have to be open towards him. We can't have transformation unless we have his participation in our lives and services. Listen to what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1. He said, on one occasion while he was sitting with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the Father, uh, restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Say that with me, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. The Holy Spirit, understand today, it's critical that you get this. When we look at this passage of Scripture, there's, there's powerful truth here. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a promise directly from the mouth of Jesus to you and to me. Understand that the Holy Spirit is a gift. Why would anybody refuse this gift? I don't know, but I'll tell you this. Religion and legalism is a powerful thing. As for me, I want everything God has for me. Come on, poke somebody and tell them, I want everything God has for me, including this gift. The Bible teaches the Holy Spirit is from the Father. It's the gift of the Father. He doesn't give bad things. He's not trying to harm you. Some wackos out there in the body of Christ teach, well, you better be careful asking for the Holy Spirit. You might just get demon-possessed. God doesn't give you a demon. He gives you the Holy Ghost. Some of the wackiest things that are out there to protect the fear against things like Pentecostalism, which if they understood what it's all about, what you're about to hear today, they wouldn't run from the gift, amen, or the promise. They would 
absolutely grab a hold of everything God has for you. But it's not just from the Father. It's not just a gift. It's not just a promise. The Bible calls it a command. It's actually, listen carefully, the last command he gave before he went back to heaven. The only question is now, as believers, are we obeying that command or are we using religion and legalism and man's theology to block that command from our lives? Say it with me. The last command Jesus issued on this earth was for his people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It, it speaks of lordship as well. I shouldn't call him Lord if I'm not going to do what he says to do. And there are millions of people that fit into that category. They want a nice, easy, controlled Christian experience. And sometimes they think about the things of the Spirit as being a little bit weird or out of control. Well, the whole point is it's not supposed to be in my control or your control. It's supposed to be in the, in the control of the Lord. And by His Spirit, He directs us. What's in my heart today is just to tell you that God wants to infuse you with Holy Ghost power. Now, I love that word infused because it means to cause to be permeated with something. In this case, permeated with the Holy Ghost and with His fire. In the Old Testament days, the Spirit of God would come on His people, but in our day, He comes on and in His people. And He saturates your being, and so everything about you is saturated and infused and influenced by the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what He's saying, because He knew you couldn't live this life without the Holy Spirit. He knew you couldn't be a witness without the Holy Spirit. He knew you wouldn't last without the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Pentecost gave the early church some very powerful endowments. The problem with this statement, the birthday of the church or the formation of the church, is some people that's the only weight they give it. That's what they say is on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, in keeping with the Jewish festival, you know, uh, where they celebrated the wheat harvest, the early wheat harvest, and they celebrated God's goodness. How many understand now it's no longer about wheat, it's about souls that we harvest with that power? But to simply see Pentecost as the day the church was formed is to miss the whole point. It's about supernatural endowments. In other words, birthing a church to be a certain creature or creation, a spirit-filled creation. Pentecost is more than the birth of the church. Come on, shout it out. Pentecost, Pentecost is, is the birth of the church, but it's more than the birth of the church. The first endowment was a thing called purpose, a clear mandate and marching orders to be witnesses. The crop used to be wheat in the feast that they celebrated, the Feast of Weeks, oftentimes called, but now they harvest as souls. Our purpose is to take this power that we've been given and reach everybody that we can. Today we'll celebrate the baptism of a 9-year-old and a 12-year-old and anybody else here that gets saved this morning, praise the Lord. Or anybody else that never was baptized according to the Word of God, you're welcome, Amen. But I want to tell you, that's what it's all about. And my heart is that this tank stay full, amen, until Jesus comes back. Can I have some agreement with that? Get more and more and more people are coming to the Lord from our area, from our county. 
The second endowment is power. Empowerment to live the life and carry out the mission. Not just the purpose, not just marching orders, but the power to live this life. Say this to me, the Holy Ghost gives me power to live this life. You can't live a holy separated life without the Holy Ghost. You can't choose the right. You cannot be convicted without Him. You cannot go down the right path without the influence of the Holy Ghost in your life. Not just the purpose, but the power, the empowerment to live the life and carry out the mission of the church. The third endowment is a thing called passion. We speak of being on fire for God. We speak of the enthusiasm. We speak of expectation and carrying out the mission. We've got our marching orders. We've got the power, and we should all be on fire for Him. Enthusiastically carrying out our part of the redemptive mission. Several years ago in Savannah, Georgia, we had a Speed of Light rally, which is a, an organization designed to raise money for the use of vehicles and equipment on the four mission field. And the president, the former governor of Missouri, John Ashcroft, came and did this, uh, this meeting for us. And uh, he spoke and he sang, he did a wonderful job. Didn't ask for a dime. In fact, he said, I want nothing for coming down here. He didn't know he was by the ocean, so he said, could you arrange a deep sea fishing expedition? I said, I think I can work that out, Amen. And he came to the shock of my pastor who said, he'll never come here. He doesn't say that anymore, hallelujah. <laughs> but he came, and I'll never forget what he did. Yes, he sang a few songs. He's got a beautiful singing voice. A very good friend of mine that plays for James Blackwood. Uh, Brad White played the piano. Very beautiful music throughout the dinner. I was at the Sheraton down there on the river where they had the actual Olympic uh, you know, rowing competitions. And he gets up there. And his mission and his message is that every single Christian needs to be a part of the redemptive mission of Jesus Christ. A sitting governor, the U.S. senator, the attorney general to become, and the author of the Patriot Act, you know what he was mostly interested in? The redemptive mission of Jesus. Said, I have my purpose, I have the power, and I have the passion through the Holy Ghost. Now, Pentecost is not just history, but it's the empowerment every believer needs. Everybody, everybody, everybody in this room and watching online, you need a personal Pentecost in your life. You personally need this experience. You see, to explain it to you as simply as I can, salvation is by grace, of course, as we express faith in Christ as the Son of God, the one that died for our sins. We believe in a heart God raising from the dead, and we say with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and the Bible says the confession is made unto salvation. The baptism in the Holy Ghost, or what happened in Acts chapter 2, or what I call a personal Pentecost, is when you are personally immersed, not in water, but in the person of the Holy Spirit. We speak of this experience as being separate from salvation and subsequent to salvation. So if you're saved today, thank God you're saved. Amen. amen. Can I have a better amen than that? Amen. Yeah, how many know that saved people ought to be happy people, joyful people? Amen. Let me try that again. Aren't you glad you're saved today? Yes. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He knows you by name. You're on your way to glory. Hallelujah. A life of service on earth and eternity with him couldn't get any better. Except that he said you also need the power to do what you're called to do on this earth. And can I tell you something about this ministry, this person of the Holy Spirit? Once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will be for all eternity. He will never, ever leave you. 
So it's not just salvation you need. You also need a personal Pentecost in your life. Where you personally experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Not something to be made fun of, but something to be appreciated deeply by all that understand it. What does a life that has returned to the Holy Spirit look like? It's a life that's guided by the Holy Spirit. I mean, thank God for His direction. Not by your wants and needs and passions and lusts, but guided by the Holy Spirit. Number two, it's instructed by the Holy Spirit. I'm not the true teacher of the church. The Holy Spirit is the true teacher of the church. Preachers are not the true teachers of the church. The Holy Spirit is. And right now He's talking to you if you're listening. Amen. He's speaking if you have ears to hear. Three, it's the person who's comforted by the Holy Spirit. You know, times you need supernatural comfort. Transitions and losses, whether it's my situation with the loss of, of my daddy or your loss or something you're going through or a pivotal point in life, we need supernatural comfort. You understand that the words of people can only go so far. The actions of people can only go so far, but the Spirit of God is not limited by space and time and distance. He can go into the heart of hearts and minister. I shared this before, but... Ben Priest, my brother-in-law, called me when Dad went home to be with the Lord, and he said, you know, when, when my dad died, he said, there's like this supernatural shield around me for weeks, protecting and comforting and directing. That's the Holy Ghost. Come on, say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Once you've experienced salvation and the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you never want to live a day without Him. That's right. Carl Malden was right, but he got it wrong. It's not American Express. You should not leave home without the Holy Ghost. Some of you people under 50 are saying, who's Carl Malden? <laughs> Used to do American Express commercials. <laughs> Amen. Not just guided by the Holy Spirit, instructed by the Holy Spirit, comforted by the Holy Spirit, but prompted by the Holy Spirit. You and I are left to ourselves day by day. We'll do what we want to do. We'll focus on what our flesh prompts us to do. But throughout the day, the Spirit of God will prompt you to love that person, call that person, text that person, pay for that person's groceries, buy that meal, make that long-distance phone call, sign up for that ministry, witness to that person that is lost, tell somebody else about the Holy Ghost. He'll prompt you throughout the day. The person who has returned to the Spirit of God has promptings. That's the routine of their life. He's constantly prompting them to do something. Because if he's not, I promise you this, your flesh is. Someone who's returned to the Spirit of God is corrected by the Holy Spirit. Come on, say it. Correction, Correction is, is good. good. Come on, say it again. Correction, Correction is, is good. good. Say it. Repentance is positive. Did you hear what your sister said today in this church? And if you're not used to having people that are ladies on a platform speaking, I remind you what Joel said on this Pentecost Sunday. He will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will what? Yes, amen. But did you hear what she said? About the partnership with mercy. Amen. <laughs> so that you can repent your way back into the blessing. I was teaching Wednesday night, and the Lord just spoke so clearly to me that a big part of revelation from the Spirit of God is a thing called correction and conviction. 
It's a good thing we have the Spirit of God to tell us to knock it off. Amen. Raise your hand if you ever started to say something and the Holy Ghost said, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Look at the hands. Oh, my goodness. Every head bowed and every eye closed right now. This church needs to repent. Let me see him again. You, he told you to shut up, but you had it halfway out your mouth already. You know, it's easier to close the mouth than get that thing back again. Who do you think was telling you to be quiet? And who do you think talks to you when you step across the line in your behavior or your attitude or the words of your mouth? It's the precious Holy Spirit. See, he longs to make you the best version of yourself, and you can't do that by yourself. You just can't. Say it with me. He guides me, instructs me, comforts me, prompts me, and corrects me. And that's just the short list. This week, June 3rd, is my 40th anniversary being baptized in the Holy Ghost. 40 years. Amen. And before that, I, you know, kind of did my own thing, thought my own way, but it all became real to me one June summer night right before I graduated from high school. And... Uh, I've taught for years on this. I've, I've done graduate research in the area of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a passion of mine, an interest of mine. I've personally laid hands on hundreds of people and watched them receive the Holy Ghost. The first month I was saved in June, I laid hands on 12 people. They all received, including three or four members of my mom's staff at the daycare. I didn't care. If you moved, I laid hands on you. <laughs> Amen. I was so zealous when I came to Murray State, I was going to get my friend from high school baptized in the Holy Ghost. Uh, but understand, I was young in the Lord. I was only a few months in the Lord. And uh, my friend kind of pulled me aside and said, Hey, Art, you got to get him saved first. <laughs> I go, Yeah, yeah, let's get her saved first, amen. <laughs> she was a Unitarian girl and just completely messed up in her thinking. And uh, I was going, I was going to go ahead and get her baptized in the Holy Ghost. She's not even saved yet. Well, yeah, you got to be saved. Come on, say, You must be saved. But what I wanted to do this morning is, is share with you the things that happened in my life when I received that experience around June 3rd, 1982. It's hard to imagine that. I just got a notice. You think you're getting old? I just got a notice for my 40th reunion, high school. Don't look at me in that holy tone. Some of y'all in your 45th, 50th. Some of you can't count that high anymore. <laughs> 40. 40 years. You can jot these down, but more importantly than that, expect these in your life. When you have a personal Pentecost, you have a tangible presence of God with you the rest of your life. Something came that was not there before. There was a hole there before that night, and it was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's never the same. Number two, visions and gifts. That very night, I had a vision of rocket launchers and, you know, war going on. The next day, I got up and that morning, I found out that uh, once again, Israel had been attacked by its enemies. And in fact, on television, the very rocket launcher I saw in the vision, I saw on television that next morning. I knew something was different. Number three was a hunger for the Word of God. Say a hunger for the Word of God. 
You want to read it, get into it, sit under it, listen to it like never before. And I'm going to tell you this, if that's gone, if that's used to be your story, you need to get right with God. You need to pour out your heart to Him and ask Him for a fresh endowment of the Spirit of God. If you've never had that hunger, it's probably because you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost. But you'll be a voracious reader of the Word of God. You'll start marking and highlighting and writing your Bible like crazy. You say, I can't do, I can't write in my Bible, I'll go to hell. No, you won't go to hell for writing in your Bible. Do what the man of God said one time. He said, tell you what, go down to Walmart, get your cheap Bible, you can write it, and put the one you won't write it in a glass case somewhere. The more you interact with the Word of God, the more you're going to grow. And I literally wore out that Bible. It was a New American Standard uh, open Bible, personal edition. It was burgundy red. My mother gave it to me for my graduation from high school. And by the time I was at Murray State as a freshman, about midway through that year, in that year, that Bible was plumb wore out from using and marking and reading and understanding what it had to say. Say it would be a hunger for the Word. Fourth thing was uh, my eyes were opened up to the reality of good and evil like never before. A discernment began to operate in my life like I can't even explain. Um, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, graduated high school three days later, and I'm standing at the chief of police's house in DeSoto, Illinois at the time, who's throwing a kegger for the graduates. Drinking age was not 18 at that time. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> and uh, some of you are really stuck about it. Yeah, times have changed in this country. That's exactly right. And so I drive up in my cherry red 1967 Mustang with a 351 Cleveland engine, amen, glass packs. And when I turned it on in the morning, my car spoke in tongue. Ba 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 ba. <laughs> I didn't have one of those cars you turn on and go, <laughs> or now the new cars don't make any noise at all. You know, you know what sound the electric vehicles make? It's when they don't have any more power. And somebody says, Can I borrow a charger? That's the sound they make. <laughs> but I showed up there, and uh, somebody hands me a red cup. Y'all know what, what a red cup means, right? Somebody first filled it up. And I'm sitting there just like this. It's, it's in my hand, and I'm looking at this scenario. And I'm seeing everything in vivid color, the good and the evil, right in front, like I never had seen before in my life. The sermon came from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I watched a good friend of mine. He'd just taken some cocaine. He jumped in the pool. They had to jump into the bottom and get him out. I found out uh, a few years ago that he had given his life to the Lord, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and now he's in a good church in here in Illinois. Serving God. <laughs> yes, amen. I'm not the only one he was working on. I was telling somebody the other day about my high school, my 10th high school reunion. And uh, I walked in the door. Now, understand this. When I was in high school, I was 5'11". My hair was bleach blonde from swimming, being in the water. And by the time 10 years had gone by, I had changed inside and out. So one of my best friends was here. She and I were, you know, close friends and the person she married was also a close friend of mine. And so the first person, I, and Kelly was there with me, she saw this. The first time they saw me in 10 years, she says, so what are you doing now? And I said, uh, I'm a pastor in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And they just looked at me holding their Michelob, and they just looked at me, and they just turned in and walked away. That was the conversation. It's like, that's too much for me to handle. So when I showed up, I was 6'5", brown-headed, born-again, spirit-filled pastor. 
And I won't tell you that I was a demon on wheels in high school, but I wasn't the angel my mother thinks I was. <laughs> you know what she's saying right now? I knew. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> so I had to go back to do church, you know, the next day. And so that night there's a banquet. And you know what? They gave me an award that night in my absence. They gave me the most changed award. <laughs> I thought, that's a compliment, praise the Lord. I'll take that. Yes, amen. I changed inside and out. But I'm sitting there at that graduation party like this. And uh, all I remember is that cup just slipping through my hand and hitting the ground. And I just got in my Mustang and I left because I knew this was no longer something I wanted to be a part of. Most of those people I haven't seen since then. But all I can tell you is it wasn't about I'm better than them. It's that I have to get on a path now of righteousness and of growth in the Lord. I would have never had that experience had it not been for the Holy Ghost. Come on, say thank God. Thank God. Say it, thank God, thank God. for the Holy, Ghost. the Holy Ghost. My eyes were open to discernment. Number five, I had a supernatural peace and joy. Amen. Amen. Just unexplainable. Uh, if you ever, ever, uh, you know, got up tight with people and had a short fuse, now, I, I had a pretty short fuse. Uh, after the baptism of the Holy Ghost, my fuse got much longer. I know what some of you are thinking right now. Let's test him. Let's test him. Let's test him. <laughs> now, my, my short was fused. Now, not as, not as short as my mom's. Go ahead. Test her. Go ahead. I'll get the camera out. Amen. Me and Rodney will just laugh and have fun with it. Praise the Lord. Put it on YouTube later. <laughs> But I noticed that uh, things that aggravated me, aggravated me less. Things that weren't important didn't bother me at all. Uh, there was change going on, supernaturally endowed peace and joy. I'm just telling you my experience. Uh, I had his presence. I started having the visions and gifts of the Spirit. I started having a great hunger for the Word. My eyes were open in discernment. I had a supernatural peace and joy. And number uh, six, I had a physical healing. I believe that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that power overcomes things in your life, mentally, emotionally, and physically. I've been sick for two solid years. After that night, what I've been sick with was no longer there. And i tell you something else. In 40 years, it's never been back. And they say once that virus is in your body, it could come back under stress, it could come back under adverse circumstances, but no, no. Uh, Healthy, and I can trace it back to that night. Look at somebody and say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Number seven, revelation of the Word of God. Not just the hunger for the Word of God, but to understand it. I opened up the six, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and I started reading about the gifts of the Spirit. I thought, this is amazing. When did somebody put this in the Bible, I thought to myself. Well, it's been there a long time. And I said to the Lord, I said, how come my Lutheran pastor didn't teach us about these things? And then my Lord said, where did you get that Bible from? Uh, the Lutheran church. And then the follow-up question was, how come you never read the Bible they gave you? Because it was there all along. But you know, once you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, your eyes are open to revelation like never before. You see things you didn't see before. Number eight, boldness and fire to speak out and speak up when's necessary. And sometimes you need to just be quiet. But there are times when you need to speak up. 
Amen. Say it with me. Speak up. And number nine, and probably the most substantial, is change priorities. Uh, Y'all know who George Bailey is? Amen. And you know that George Bailey had his entire life planned out. I was a lot like that. Had it all worked out and sequenced and planned where I was going, what I was going to do. And at that moment, God just kind of just shuffled the complete deck and it was all over. And put me on an entirely different path. I had taken, uh, you know, prepared to go to medical school. I had, you know, put my file out there. I talked to people in the schools that I was actually wanting to go to. And uh, would have been a, a wonderful life and a great application, I believe, of my skill set, my compassion for people. But the Lord began to deal with me about going to uh, the seminary and from there, wherever God had me going. And so after sitting on a little application for weeks and weeks and weeks, on September 30th, this is going to freak some of you out, but everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Uh, everybody say, priorities change. You change your priorities to whose? To His. I put an application in and mailed it on September 30th of that year uh, to our graduate school in Springfield, Missouri. And I was going to be in a, uh, a Master of Divinity program. And October 2nd, I had an acceptance letter in my hand. I worked in that building later on, and I can tell you that it sometimes takes four to five days for the mail to even get to the right office. But you know what the Holy Ghost is going to say there? Speeding the answer in the direction of the confirmation that a very young person in the Lord needed to have it. Uh, but, but mom did before I, you know, actually went away to school. I sat down with her at a Shoney's in Marion, Illinois, and I said, Mom, I just want to tell you about something. I said, I'm not going to medical school. I'm going to seminary instead. And she starts laughing. I mean, she's laughing hysterically. Most serious moment of my life. And she's just laughing, cackling over there. Thought that was so funny. She looked at me and she said, I told your father three years ago you were going to do that. Spook. You know how they say some people have eyes in the back of their head? She has eyes in every direction of her head. Every <laughs> I'm just telling you that, that this experience is real and its impact on your life is real. The things it will do for you. So I want to just wrap this up today before we baptize these wonderful young people. How do you cultivate a spirit-infused life? Real simple. First, you must be saved. You must know the Lord. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of, the, of fire that separated and came, on each, on, and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled, say all of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Baptism in the Holy Spirit comes with the ability to speak in a language that you never learned. But notice all of what? They were all. Who are they? All those that obeyed the Lord that were believers showed up there. These are people who know God, and yet there's more to it. He wanted to empower them. Come on, say, you must be saved. Must be saved. Pastor, how to get saved? 
Today, if you're not, repent of your sin, give your life to Him, believe in your heart, God raised you from the dead, confess through the mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you what? Will be saved. And you can not only walk out here saved, but walk out of here baptized in the Holy Ghost. He is no respecter of persons. Number two, you must be thirsty, which means there must be desire for more. How many can raise your hand at some point in your Christian life? You knew there was more. Come on, raise it up high. You just knew there was more. And guess what? You were right. A thirst developed in you. Well, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 7. He said, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Who is what? Thirsty. You have to want more. If you don't care about these things, then you could just, you know, kind of just check out the rest of the service. But the bottom line is, if you want these things, you must be thirsty. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive, meaning Acts chapter 2. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus dies, he's raised from the dead, he sends back up, he sends the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 2. He baptizes them in the Holy Ghost, and it's not about a dating history it's about the invasion of the Holy Spirit into this world and each individual believer receiving that power for themselves. Amen. A personal Pentecost. Nothing's going to happen if you're not saved and nothing's going to happen if you're not thirsty for more. So with all the respect I can muster, stay thirsty, my friends. Amen. <laughs> not with wine wherein is excess, or some Mexican beer. Amen. But be what? Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. My desire for you is that you would be thirsty, but I can't make you thirsty. You must know there's more out there and want more that's out there. And want it more than the opinions of people. And want it more than what they will think about you. And want it more than fear. And want it more than your old doctrine book. John Osteen at church he pastored, uh, I think it was First Baptist in Baytown, Texas, he had somebody stand up and say, what you're talking about, the Holy Spirit, is not in our denominational handbook. Brother Osteen lifted up his Bible and said, but it's in this book. And this is the one you need to have allegiance to. Because believe it or not, sometimes doctrine books can be wrong. Can I have a better amen? amen? They do their best, but that's not the inerrant word of God. This is. This trumps anything any man or denomination ever has read or ever will read or write. Number three, you must receive. It's a gift, but you got to receive it. The Bible says in Acts 19, 1-6, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, again, they got to be saved, right? Some disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men and all. Why wouldn't people 
receive? Why wouldn't they know about the Holy Ghost? Well, sometimes it's religion, legalism. Sometimes it's just ignorance or a lack of knowledge. Amen. You haven't been taught this. You haven't been shared this. I grew up in a church that didn't talk against it. There just wasn't a lot of explanation about that. So we do have to have some people tell us what this is all about. But that's what he was saying. He found some disciples and said, oh, well, you got everything you need. Go on your way. That's not what he said. He found some disciples and said, you need this. And he laid hands on them and the power of God hit them and they were never the same. I love to know what happened to the 12 and what they did for Jesus after that moment. Imagine it was a stellar, you know, result in terms of their lives. If Paul were walking today in this room, maybe he would find one, two, five, ten, twelve. People in this church don't stay just saved and not baptized in the Spirit very long because it's a priority, it's a passion, it's something we think is very, very important. But if he were to walk through these seats today, maybe he would find two, three, four, five, six, ten disciples, and he would say the same thing to you. It's great that you're saved, but you need the power of God. It's great that you were baptized in the water, but you need the power of God in your life. And then number four, you must continue. Continue in this spirit-infused life. Paul gave the secret in Ephesians 5.17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. These things, songs, uh, hymns, spiritual songs, they stir up the gift within you. The praise life, the thanksgiving life, they keep these things flowing. They keep you infused. Let me tell you a secret. You want more of the Holy Spirit in your life? Be thankful all the days of your life. He'll make a beeline for you every single time. The point is, what we receive, we want to be able to keep and not become stale. Amen? We don't want to be a Pentecostal who's had everything leak out. There's nothing more beautiful and fiery and passionate than a, a Pentecostal that's present and current in their life and relationship with God. But there's nothing deader than a Pentecostal only in name and form. The truth of the matter is, the early church had one church, one church unified in the things of the Spirit, and they were all Pentecostals. What does that mean? They all were saved, and they all received the Holy Ghost. And I can tell you uh, that someone who wasn't even 18 years old yet, because my birthday is in July, I graduated having been saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and didn't know beans really about anything. And you don't until you get into the Word for yourself. Can I have an amen? You must get into the Word yourself. But as I said, I just began to lay hands on people. And just what? Tell them what God had done for me. And share what God had done for me. That's what this is about. And I can tell you this, that He hasn't changed. But our world certainly has. And there's never been a time where this has been more important for a child of God to be filled to the gills with the Spirit of God. There is deception out there like crazy. There is war and rumors of war. There is pestilence. There is famine. 
all kinds of things that man with his evil mouth are prophesying and working on behind the scenes. You and I have never needed more what the Spirit of God will give us. Hunger for the Word, passion for the things of God, discernment to know right from wrong of what's going on in this world. So excuse me if I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation to them that believe. And I don't want you to be ashamed of a gift. It's a gift, it's a promise, it's of the Father, but it's also a command. So what I want you to do all over the building is I want you just to stand to your feet.